What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the Breakthrough Society podcast. I'm your host, Irvin, and today we have my good friend, Jerry Gherkin, on the show. Now, Jerry, he's a car salesman at the Taylor Kia of Finley in Ohio. And, um, you know, I, I was oh, and he's also the host of the Jerry Gherkin show um, a couple months back. But um, but I had a car. car we had you know this conversation on on uh that you're going to be listening to right on on my episode and um he does he's a car salesman but he's not your typical car salesman he does things different he does things in a way that makes him stand out from everybody all the other car salesmen at his dealership and at any other dealership that that um that you that you will experience and he's also creating a program to help those that want to do the same as him as far as standing out from the competition and being better than the competition. So you're definitely not going to want to miss this because this applies not just to the card salesman, to any salesman in any industry. So tune in. Before we get into the show, real quick, man, I know you're definitely going to find value in this because whether you know it or not, you're in sales, right? Every Everybody's in sales because if you own a business or you work for somebody, when you talk to your clients, you're selling yourself, right? So you're selling yourself to them by just being yourself um, and that will make them decide whether they want to buy from you or the company that you work for. Right. So everybody's in the sales business. So I know you'll definitely find value in this and make sure to share it out with your friends, family and everybody else that, you know, will benefit from it and tell them why you're sending the the show to them. Also, go over to Facebook, um, type in the Breakthrough Society Movement, join the 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 group and like our Facebook page. Um, go over to share this on your uh, Instagram, your Facebook stories. Tag me, tag Jerry, and we'll repost you. And uh, with that being said, guys, thank you for tuning in, and let's get to the show. Pretty much just going to get right into it. Yeah, that's cool. I'm ready to roll. <clears throat> All right, it'll be like 30, 45 minutes, something like that. All right. Cool. All right. I've never done Skype before, man. So this is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I like it because it's uh, the video comes out, you know, like side to side. Oh, cool. And I don't think Zoom does that. So. Right. No, I, Meredith, produce, my producer, she edits all that mm-hmm. stuff. So I just let her handle that. But yeah. Okay, cool. So, Jerry, welcome to the show, man. Welcome to the Break the Society. How are you doing? Yeah, it's good to see you again, man. It was great actually connecting at MDM. It was awesome. Yeah, for sure, man. How, how did you, you know, what did you take from it, man? How did you like it? Oh, uh, I, I think the number one takeaway is uh, everybody has a story and to be transparent. Mm. Because uh, I think a lot of people, you know, they they try to, they're a poser maybe or, uh, 
you know, try to portray somebody that they're not and uh, takes away from your genuine self and to be as transparent as you can be because I think people definitely resonate with people that are 100% honest and um, it's taken me a lot of years. I'm, I'll be 54 in July. It's taken me all this all this time to be able to actually tell my story. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's uh, it's got a sense of freedom about it, you know, when you do that. Um, but it's 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 tough. It's tough. Carry, carry around a lot of pride, you know. Yeah. You want to be you're, you know, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a leader. And to uh, to actually pull my pants down to show everybody who I am is, is, <laughs> is tough. It's tough, but it's definitely freeing. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, I think I, th- I think that's like what I, I mean. I, I have this uh, like I'm kind of explaining myself when I say when I say that like a lot of people out there they think they don't have a story. You know, they're like, Oh, my my life is not exciting, like why would I, you know, say it? Why would I tell people my story? You know, nobody cares kind of thing. And like that's something that I I've always thought, you know, I still kinda of think that. Um but like you're saying, like it's it's just part of, of being genuine and, and whenever you put your story out there it's like a lot of people are gonna resonate with it. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah. I've done it three times so far now, and I mean it is getting a little easier. But you know, my my biggest my biggest thing is uh, is when I when I'm passionate and I'm, I get emotional, and I, my eyes well up. I'm not crying or sobbing, but my eyes well up, and then tears will stream down my face, and mm-hmm. you know, it's like you know I'm six four, jacked up guy, right? <laughs> yeah. Supposed to be tearing up and crying. That that's been the lie for you know a lot of years. So that's been the biggest I think holdback for me. But uh, after going to MDM and hearing everybody's crazy amazing success stories, it was it was really freeing for me. Yeah, it's awesome, man. That's that's uh, like I think once once you tell your story. Or once you actually, you know, like put stuff out there and, and a lot of people start to resonate with you and they start to connect with you more, you know, that, that just, um, frees up like some, some type of relief in you. Mm-hmm. That, that you're like, oh shit, man, like, you know, I finally got it out, you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. And, yeah. I gotta tell my kids my story sometime because <laughs> I'm telling <laughs> other people I haven't told my kids. Yeah. Um, uh, that time will come, I'm sure. Yeah, man. Like whenever, whenever they're ready, you know, like you just, you just feel it. And I see, oh, yeah. I see, I see behind you, you have that. Uh, it's just do it scared. So yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you're, what you're going through with this. But um, yeah, man. Uh, to the audience, like we kind of like just got right into the MDM stuff, but it's all good. Um, just tell the audience, you know, what you do right now. Professionally. So I'm in the automotive industry. I've been uh, selling cars for 26 years, and uh, just recently uh, launched a uh, sales training program. Uh, just building my machine, and, and what my my first machine or my first business I'm trying to build, besides continuing this business that I'm doing, is 
been wildly successful at um, is to do sales training for uh, dealerships across the country. So, but right now I uh, work at a Kia dealership, um, sell my unfair share of vehicles every month, and uh, pretty much work my own schedule and really enjoying it. Nice. So, what got you in there in the first place into the car sales business? Oh, that's a uh, that's an interesting evolution. So I, I uh, was a really good wrestler in high school. I got a scholarship to go to college, uh, but I, I graduated high school when I was 17, I, and I went to college, and I wasn't ready to go to college. I wasn't mature enough to go to college. Physically, I was fine. You know, I could compete. I could handle the classes, but I just knew it wasn't the right timing. So I dropped out after a semester, and then I went back home and was working with my dad and jumped into a factory for a little bit and was like, man, this isn't for me. And then I uh, went and watched the movie Top Gun. And I was sitting there watching this movie. And I'm like, man, I can, I want to, I want to go in the service, but I didn't want to be in the Navy. So I, I joined the Marine Corps because I liked their uniforms better. <laughs> so I signed up for the Marine Corps, did four years in the Marine Corps, um, and actually was able to and blessed to wrestle for the Marine Corps. So I would go. Um, four to six months to Quantico, Virginia, wear civilian clothes, train twice a day, and travel all over the country and compete. And then uh, I was actually going to transition and go to embassy duty. And with the embassy school, you have to have 36 months of uh, time on the books because they, they, as soon as you graduate, they send you to a hot spot for 18 months and you don't get any leave. So they gave me 30 days leave before I went to school. And when I when I came home, some of my buddies I was wrestling with in high school were wrestling at uh, Finley College in Ohio. And so I was just going to stay in shape, train with them. So I, I came to Finley, about 45 minutes away from where I grew up, and uh, started training with their the college team. And I was kicking the crap out of their heavyweight. And the coach was like, hey, you ever think about wrestling in college? I'm like, yeah, man, but I just signed up for – I got three more years on the books. So I called a buddy of mine who's in the, who's in the Pentagon, Lieutenant Colonel, and uh, I said, hey, Ken, I got a chance to wrestle in college, but I got these three years. I signed this contract. So he pulled, pulled my service record book, and he's like, you got a loophole in here. You weren't eligible to sign that extension because I was in a fight. Imagine that a Marine in a fight. But I was in a fight out in town, and I got um, – it's called non-judicial punishment. So they, they took a stripe away from me but suspended the sentence for a while as long as I kept my nose clean. And, they would reinstate it. So I was not eligible. So I went down to uh, Monaco, checked in, told them I wasn't, I didn't want to do this, and here's how I'm going to get out of it, and checked out. And so then um, Desert Storm hit, because I was going to take a six-month early out for college, because they were giving that the Desert Storm happened, and they froze everybody getting out. So I went from the Mojave Desert in Southern California to Saudi Arabia, right outside of Kuwait. was there for um, four months. And then rotated back and then went to Finley to college. And I know this is kind of a long way to get to what your initial question was, how I got in the car business, but it's very, it's very relevant. So I, uh, two weeks after I got out of the Marine Corps, I met my wife. Um, and she's from Finley. My plan was to go to college to be a sports, sports bed major. Uh, and I was going to be the athletic trainer for the Cleveland Indians. That was my, that was my dream. That was my goal. Well, then I started doing some research because my wife and I got married um, between my 
sophomore and junior year in college. And the divorce rate for uh, athletic trainers was super high because you're there before the first athlete and you're there after, you know, so you're there and you travel. And so I was like, I value my family more than, uh, than doing this, this job. So I transitioned into education. I still got a sports med degree transitioned into education and then, uh, got out looking for a full-time teaching job. Couldn't, couldn't find a full-time. I had seven interviews. And here, here's my resume, dude. I was all, all Marine wrestler, all American wrestler. You know, I got, I can be an athletic trainer at a school. I can be a teacher. I'm a, I'm a big man. I've got presence. I, I'm, you know, anyway, so I'm thinking if somebody's going to scoop me up, right? I went through seven interviews and it was all the same. Went there, interviewed with them. Oh, you interviewed very well. We really like all the hats you can wear with this, our school. But then I'd always get a rejection letter. So it's August of 90, 94, 95, August of 95 and, uh, two weeks away from, the, from school starting. And I go to this small school. They didn't have wrestling. They just, I mean, I think the graduating class was maybe like 40. So that's how small the school was. Yeah. But they needed, this, they needed this special ed teacher and I didn't have that certification, but I could get it. So I'm sitting in front of this. Two school board members, superintendent, principal, go through the interview. They say the exact same thing. I'm like, this is a groundhog day. I keep hearing the same thing. Yo, you can wear all these different hats. That's great. Well, <clears throat> I, I pumped the brakes. I said, you guys mind if I just speak um, from my heart? And they're like, sure. And so I said, uh, you just told me I could wear all these hats and I'd fit really well in your school. But then you told me that you have to interview two other people after me. You haven't even told me how much the salary is, but I'm, I'll tell you, you don't need to interview those other people. I'll take the job. Cause I'm, I'm married. I got a baby. You know, I need to, I need to make money. And they didn't know what to say because I just <laughs> point blanked them. Yeah. And so then they're looking at each other. Finally, the superintendent speaks up and he says, we'll be in touch with you in a few, few days, Mr. Gherkin. And I got a rejection letter. I'm yeah. like, okay, great. So now here's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm hustling, right? I'm, I'm selling suits at JC Penney's. I'm uh, substitute teaching and coaching wrestling at a local high school, but it was all little piles of money that weren't that much. So, and I, like I said, I had a house, I had a wife, I had a baby, and I was coaching a couple kids um, at the local high school, and their dad was a general manager of a car dealership. That's how I got in the car business. So I go in, I talk to Jan periodically, just BS with them, and um, he's like, "So how's it going?" I said, "Man, I need." I need to make money. And I'd watch these guys come in and out of the office. It was like shooting fish in a barrel. This is easy, right? And I'm like, can you give me a job selling cars? And he's like, you need to be a teacher. And I'm like, okay, but I need to make money. You know, I, I, I got to have a job. I got a family. He's like, you just got to promise me that you'll go back into teaching. I can give you a job, but you got to go promise me. So I crossed my fingers, put it behind my back, hand behind my back and said, okay. So I jumped in the car business. And so, dude, the first eight days I was in the car business, I didn't sell a car. I was like, holy smokes, this is nuts. <laughs> so easy. And then uh finally sold my first car, and I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a mother and a son came in. They were in like a 94 green Grand Am. And, um, or that's what they ended up buying. I'm sorry. They drove in something else. But go on test drive, come back. 
get uh, get the figures, go in, give them the papers, go through the figures with them, and they look at each other. Like, okay, we'll take it, dude. I didn't know what to do. I had <laughs> no, I didn't know what to do. I was like, okay, um, I'll be right back. So I went in the office of the used car manager. I said, hey, they said they take it. He just throws the paper back at me. Get the freaking paperwork going. Let's go. What are you doing? And that was the first car that I ever sold. And and now I'm I'm in the top five percent in the country. Uh, as far as auto sales, you know, we have uh, the national average is around eight to 10 cars a month, and I sell over 40. So my goal is to get to 100. Yes. But, yeah, it's, it's, been a, it's been an interesting, interesting journey. But that's how I got into the car business. It was not something I just woke up one day or when I was growing up, hey, I'm going to sell cars. No, it wasn't that at all. Yeah, dude, that's, that's interesting, man. You, like, hop from one one thing to another, and then, you know, you eventually fall for somewhere that you don't have no idea what you're doing, <laughs> but hey, you know, you needed to make money. You needed to, you know, keep the family going. So, so uh, at that time was, was your, cause you said you had, you know, getting like little piles of money here and there with, with the substitute teacher and the wrestling and like were your expenses higher than what you were bringing in from those little piles? So- Fortunately, um, at that point in time, my wife was working at a local factory. So when I met my wife, she was, she was working at Whirlpool Corporation. So she made okay money. And then I made these little piles of money, but that was basically going for groceries, going for this. So we, we didn't really see any traction as far as growth financially. So, and then when, uh, we had our second child, um, Tina stayed home with them and, She's stayed out of the workforce, but by that time I was doing crazy cool things in the car business. So it was an easy transition because having two kids in daycare, it was basically washing out to be about a hundred bucks a month that she was bringing in after we paid for the daycare and to have for a hundred bucks. I'm not going to have somebody else raise my kids, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So like now being in the car business and like learning or the car sales business and, and, like learning over so many years to the point where you're, you know, you're, like you said, in the top 5% and you want to get to the, like the 40, the 40, uh, sales. I mean, the, the 100, you're in the 40s, you want to get to the 100 sales. Like how, like how, how do you d- differentiate yourself from everybody, all the other car salesmen, not just at your location, but every other location that you've been, or the, like the one that you started so with? Basically, um, the the evolution of sales, uh, it, it's more about uh, relationship selling as opposed to transactional selling. You know, transactions, somebody like a young salesperson, they'd stand out by the front door and wait for the door to swing and then they'd grab a fresh customer and then, then they would, uh, and they would bring them in and take them through the process. Well, that's a long process and then you have to, build rapport and you have this and that and all these other things that come into it. And I did it when I was young in the car business because I had to, because I had to build my clientele. But the difference between or the differentiation for me is I understand that it's about relationships as opposed to transactions. Yeah. You're going to have transactions from time to time, but 95% of my business is repeat and referral business. So I already have a relationship with these people. And what that does is it, they, they already know, like, and trust you. So they're, they're okay with let's, let's just roll. Okay. Jerry said it's going to be this. Here we go. So it, it speeds up and expedites the process. 
that you can just take them through. So you're like, how can you sell that many cars? How can you get to a hundred? Well, then you, you have different people at different stages. I'll juggle four or five people at one time. I have a paid a full-time assistant that works with me. Um, and then he's actually is training to, to go out on his own eventually. Um, this will be my third one that I've done like this, but, um, that, I guess that's the biggest differentiation is, is I, I understand that it's about relationships and you don't have to be tied to the, the dealership. That's what the dealer wants you to think. You got to stay at the dealership. So you're like, got a ball and chain. You know, you got to be at the dealership to sell cars. Well, you don't, you know, it's, it's who you interact with. It used to be, who do you know? Right. Who do you know who? So you can get a job or you can get something. Well, now, in my opinion, it's who knows you and what you do. Because you could interact with somebody and they have no idea that you sell cars and they could walk in the door, the door the next day and in front door, yeah. Charlie grabs them and they're like, Hey man, I was just talking to you yesterday at the bar. I didn't know you worked here. You know, so it's who knows you and what you do. And you have to be intentional about that. And I don't go out to like a restaurant and tell, Hey, waitress, here's my business card. If you're looking for a car, <laughs> you know, I, I mean, typically the people reciprocate, right? So if you ask them, Hey, so what do you do for a living? The natural response after they tell you is, so what do you do? Yeah. You know, and then if you if you are consistent with the places you frequent, people start to know you, and then they start. To, there's a there's a restaurant right around the corner from here that I probably go to four or five days a week. I'll either have breakfast, lunch, or dinner at this place. I sell everybody in that restaurant because they know <laughs> that I'm a car guy. You know, so but I have a relationship with them, and then they'll just call, call me, come over, whatever. And then, then the service after the sale too, you know, a lot of, a lot of people, especially in my industry, it's a revolving door with salespeople because they don't, you know, they don't have, uh, the client base that I have. I have over 6,000 clients in my database. So if I could sell just 1% of those, that database once a month, that's 60 cars. Well, <laughs> so it's, it's a well-oiled machine right now. I'm just trying to get it to, but with this chip shortage and some other things, and it just takes a little bit more. And one other thing, as a side note, to, the way to get to that number is you have to do everything from front to back. So maybe the last time you bought a vehicle, you talked to the salesman, and the salesman went to the sales manager, and the salesman came back to you, and then you closed up the deal, and then he got the paperwork around. Then you had to go see somebody else. You had to go into the finance manager and then go through that all over again. So it takes so much time. The way to get to the, the higher levels is, but you got to have a dealer that'll work with you is to be able to do everything. So I've, I've been, a, I've ran three stores in my career. I've, I've been a floor manager. I've been a desk manager. I've been a finance manager. So I can, I'm capable to do all that stuff. So if you came in, sat down with me, I take care, I grab the, all the information, get the trade appraisal, do that myself. I get, um, all the paperwork around as far as submissions to the bank. Then once we agree on numbers, then I would actually spin like the finance manager would. So you never leave my office. It just streamlines it and it makes it just that much more effective and efficient. Yeah. It was interesting what you said about the, it's, it's how many people know, know you and what you do. And it's yeah. just like that building that, rapport relation and relationships with your clients or potential clients or just anybody really and then you know people are just gonna like oh and whenever they need a car oh yeah uh jerry sells cars at 
you know, this dealer said, let's, let's go and check, you know, what he has and stuff like that. And, uh, dude, I've driven up to the, like, the Ford dealerships to go and, and, um, like, back in the day, I would go to the Ford dealerships to get, you know, my car checked and stuff like that. And I see the, I see the people, there would be, like, four or five uh, salespersons standing in the door, in front of the door, outside, and they see, they just see you pull up, and everybody waves. Yeah. <laughs> and they, like, start talking to you. And, and yeah. I was like looking at him like, okay, <laughs> but I'm not going to see him. You know, I'm just going straight to the bag to the, wherever the repair service thing is at. And, uh, yeah, like, I don't know, like that's just pushy to me. And I just like try to avoid anything like that. Yeah. That, that's definitely the model. And a lot of people have that, um, have that idea that that's a, another reason why you need to develop relationships. And at this point we have salespeople that are standing out front. Right now, just like you were describing, but what frustrates them is, is they greet somebody and then they ask for me. <laughs> they go out <laughs> to the customer and they're like, yeah, we're here to see Jerry. So I got these people escorting because I sit in the glass office in the back. So I don't hang out front. I don't chase people. You know, I just do my business yeah. and work my business and my appointment. If somebody comes in and go, if they don't, then I, I leave. Cause like I said, you can generate relationships. And have people come in and see you outside of the dealership. If you got any car guys listening right now, man, that's that's the biggest lie that the dealer does. They try to push you for one month, and then you go from a hero to a zero. That's bullshit. You can look at your business as a quarter or a half. You know, just because you have the the board that they put all the cars up does not define me as a human being. And that's what they try to drive into your brain. It's oh, you're not this on the board. You're not that on the board. Well, screw that, man. You know what? I'm a, I'm a freaking human being. I got a family. I, you know, so I don't, I don't allow that chatter to enter into my world because you're going to have managers that are going to be on your ass about not putting up enough numbers. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. Yeah. You got to do this. You got to do that. But once you get to a level that I'm at, they just leave me alone. They don't, they don't, <laughs> if you put up numbers on the board and you sell cars, you, they're happy. Okay. Whatever, yeah. whatever you want to do. I'm going to take off for lunch for a couple hours. I'll be back. All right. You know, it's not like, but you got to, you got to grind it out and get to that point. But again, it comes down to the relationships. There's a rule of 250. Okay. You know, 250 people pretty well. I know 250 people pretty well. If you develop that relationships with those 250 people and they know what you do, they have 250 people that they know pretty well. So that just exponentially spans out like that. And next thing you know, they already have that little feeling of a relationship with you because their friend already has done business with you and he likes you. So they, then naturally he's going to like you and he's going to, and that just grows it that way. So we just focus on the smaller scale of developing those relationships, being consistent with your activities, being consistent with what you do every day. I'm, I'm consistent. I go to the dark horse at two o'clock between two and two thirty, unless I have an appointment. That's the restaurant that I'm talking about. And the patrons know me, and I tell dad jokes all the time, to the point where they, they bought me an engraved shot glass that said Jokester Jerry on it. <laughs> I have it at my house <laughs> because I tell so many jokes, but I, I want to make people laugh, man. I mean, it's, life's too short. You go through life two ways, laughing or crying. I'd rather be laughing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, that's awesome. Like, that's that's kind of like something that that uh 
I mean, like later on in my, in my business, whenever I grow, you know, I want to have people that are just dedicated in sales. Um, so that's pretty much what they're, what I would like for them to do is just go to the client's houses and, you know, talk to them, you know, build relationships. Um, and one of the daily tasks that I, that I have actually, I was actually doing, um, I was talking to Thomas Keenan mm-hmm. and, uh, like I had sent them like the core values and the, and the mission statement and stuff like that, that I just recently created for the company, right? That, that I had finalized to get his feedback on it. And, uh, one of the, the, like the daily tests that I had on there for, uh, the lead technician, you know, I created like a, like a daily routine kind of thing. And one of the tasks was like an everyday thing is make people smile or make someone smile. And, like I yeah, like that's that goes to building relationships, you right? Like whoever you make smile, like it doesn't have to be just a client, but you know, somebody that you meet, you know, at the store or whatever. But as long as you make somebody smile in the day, I mean, you know, that's that just helps you towards building, you know, relationship with that person. That's a win, man. Every every I have a priorities um black over behind my uh, computer. And uh, on it, it states that I want to make a difference in one person's life every day. It, just one. I, I do a, a lot of people a day. But if I can just make a shift in one person's life every day, whether it be from a kind word, a, um, a hug, um, a handshake, a smile, a joke, whatever. If I, can, if I can make a shift in somebody's life every day, then it's a win. You know, and, and absolutely, people people are gonna people don't want a stuffed shirt to do business with. You know, they want to they're enjoying their life. Yeah, maybe they got you coming over, but they got a problem, so you're gonna fix it, or you're gonna do some installation or something. But but you you could be a plain Jane or, or flat faced, or you can be full of excitement, enthusiasm, and energy. You know, part of my core values are. The five E's, a high level of excitement, um, enthusiasm. Geez, out. Oh, I had a brain, brain freeze. Excitement, enthusiasm. Uh, da, 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 da. Leads to effectiveness and efficiency. I got to remember the other one, having a brain freeze. Yeah. It's, still, it's over here on my desk, but I can't see it right now. But yeah, a high level of, you know, Enthusiasm, excitement is going to lead to effectiveness and efficiency. If you, if you stay at that level 10 all the time, you know, you try to stay up all the time. And I know it's hard. It's, it's pretty much impossible yeah. because life throws you a bunch of shit, but you know, it's, it's still, if you can have that mindset because you don't know what that other person, that next person that you're going to interact with, it's like with the sales, sales stuff. You know, we live in, we're in a rejection business. Okay. Yeah. But if you put in perspective of a, of a baseball player, so you got a baseball player. If if you're batting 300 in the major leagues, you're an all star. But that means you got out seven out of ten times. Okay, so you're in a rejection business like like this. You got to understand that not everybody that walks through the door is going to buy a car. But you have to understand that I'm going to have stretches of knows and I'm going to have stretches of yeses and I'm going to have them sprinkled in and out but it's it's just being consistent and seeing people yeah and as long as like the people that come in or the people that you meet 
that are potential customers, you're you're actually like genuine with them, you know, and and build a rapport relationship with them. You know, they they're probably a no right now, but weeks or months later, they'll probably be back. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, when they're ready. Absolutely. Yeah, I just had a guy who uh, has a cab company here in town. Good customer. The very first car I sold him, we had troubles with it, um, and there was a broken mirror, and there was something else and something else. But this has been many years ago, and it was an as-is vehicle, but I paid for the repairs out of my own pocket just to because I felt like it was my obligation to this customer. Well, after I did that, this guy sends me everybody. He buys all of his cab vehicles from me. I mean, and that was just that genuine gesture. And I I, I spend probably seven, 800 bucks a month on my clients in service just because they maybe don't have the money or they just – just because I want to, because they're a good client. And it's, it's okay. It's a cost of doing business. But my point is this, is I went above and beyond with this one in particular person and it just blew up because I, because yeah. I did that little extra thing. Yeah. Dude, that's like the whole thing of one of, one of the core values that I created was over deliver. So that's like, I mean, that's, that's exactly what you're saying. You know, like a lot of other people or everybody else, you know, all your other competition, your competition would have been like, oh, I mean, you know, as is, you know, that's not my responsibility really to, to fix it. But if you said, you know what, man, like, you know, it's my fault, you know, I should have checked it before I sold it or whatever, um, you know, you fix it, then they're going to be like, oh shit, you know, this guy's the real deal. And like you said, like, yeah, you know, he's going to be buying it. Sure, one of your um, core values is integrity. And you know what? If, if, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. You know, that that's it, you know, yeah. so how do I want to be treated? Do I want to buy a vehicle and then drive off the lot and then there's a problem and they're, they're just not going to, they're not going to answer my phone call. They're not going to take care of it. <laughs> yeah. And then the other, the other spiral is, is, is what that person is going to tell everybody else. It can go one or two, two directions. If you say, no, nah, man, it's as is, it's all on you. Click. And then he, he's going to tell all of his 250 and their yeah. 250 and their 250 about what a shitty experience it was. Or take care of you, and then what? He tells his 250 what a great experience it was, and they took care of me after the sale, and that 250. You know, it's again, it's just it's a small amount of money. It's like stepping over dollars to get the pennies in a lot of cases, you know. But I'm stepping over pennies to get the dollars because I'm spending a couple pennies to take care of this customer, but he's going to bring me more dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome, dude. So, um, with that, uh, that. Uh, the that course that that you're uh, the program that you that you're building, right for the for the sales for all the car dealerships. Like, how do you how do you plan on on uh, like changing the industry? So, I have a simple, seamless, and easy process. The number one thing people complain about in the automotive industry is how long it takes to buy a vehicle. So, what I do with my program is I is I take them A to Z and try to help them understand. I do things backwards when I'm when I'm interviewing somebody. It used to be the traditional way. People would go out, maybe look around, drive this car, that car, the other car, come back, find the one after an hour and a half of driving vehicles, come into the desk, and then we'd sit down, and the, and the payments were either too high, they didn't qualify for it, they needed a bunch of money down, and then we just wasted all that time. And then they would walk. They would leave because they're frustrated. So what I tell people is I do things backwards. I bring them in, I gather the information from them up front, interview them for a few minutes, and then find out. 
what, what their goals, desires, needs, wants, et cetera are. And then when I pull up a vehicle, they know that it's going to hit all the bullet points. I, I developed a, a triangle. Mm-hmm. I call it the Gherkin triangle. I actually have it patented, patented. And there's three points on a triangle and there's three parts of a car transaction or any, any purchase for that matter. This, this can relate to mortgages. It can relate to a lot of things, but there's your payment, your down payment and the product. That's what I tell my clients. You got three points on a triangle. I was open it up like this. I'm a simple man. I like Leonard Skinner. So I try to simplify, dumb it down. There's three points on a triangle. There's three parts of an automobile transaction. Your payment, down payment, vehicle. You get to pick two and I determine the third one. So if you come in and you say, I want to be at 300 bucks a month and I want that four wheel drive pickup truck, I'll tell you how much down payment you're going to have to bring to the table. You say, I got $2,000 down and I want to be at $300 a month. I'll give you a short list of vehicles that are going to fit into that. It's really simple and people really like it because I sell cars every day. Most people buy every three to five years. So that's that's part of that part of my program. That's part of my program. But what I want to do is get into dealer groups. So, like, let's say you got a big franchise dealership out there, maybe has six or seven, eight rooftops. Get in with them and and work with their sales staff. Because when you get into those dealer groups, they have multiple employees. You know, they have three, four, five hundred employees. So, what I would do is I would go in and and just train their sales staff because a lot of training is out the window. They give them a desk and a computer and say, good luck. <laughs> that's really the reality of the, in this business. You know, they can say that they train you, but they don't. Yeah. They don't train. Yeah. There's like a lot of companies out there, man. It's the lack of training. It's very precision, every position really. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's the, that's the machine I'm building is I want to get, uh, I've got my dream 25, um, auto dealers so i just gotta start to make some traction with them and then uh, i've got a website um i've got a private facebook group it's called the six-figure salesperson i've got people that um all over the country that have went through there's six modules within it um if, if anybody's interested in, in looking at it um, hit me up on facebook but um and then i can send you an invitation to the group um it's 149 bucks uh, for the for the whole program, I got downloadables, instructional stuff, and they're, they're pretty quick hitters. Like I said, I'm a simple man, so I, I I dumb it down. So you can anybody that you could it could be you, man, just just starting in the car business. You check that stuff out and just follow that stuff. You'll turn it around really quick. And would it, would it apply to sales salespeople just in the car business, or really any sales position? So it can, it can, it's applicable to any sales position. Um, and I, it's kind of funny because when I started doing this, I, uh, had a guy reach out to me that is a manager of a furniture store here in town and their salespeople are a hundred percent commission. And, uh, he said, Hey, can I meet with you, uh, next Tuesday and we can talk and I want to bring one of my salespeople. I'm like, that's fine. So the guy comes in, sit for about an hour and I just, blew their mind about the processes and all this other stuff. And she's just taking notes feverishly. And so long story short, I point blanked him. He's like, man, I really appreciate this. I said, well, now I just would like an opportunity to talk to the rest of your sales staff and your, your management team. I said, but this one was for free. 
So we agreed on a number and now I'm training these salespeople at a furniture store. So, I mean, it, it, it's, I mean, I don't want the shiny object object over here. I mean, it is applicable, but my, my main, my main thing is to work with automotive industry. Yeah. Yeah. And like what you were telling me, I mean, with the, like, I, I don't see it like just in the car business, but like really any business when, when you're saying that, uh, like the standard way to doing it is like customer comes in, you're looking at the cars, you know, and you drive all, you test drive all these cars, and you realize they're too expensive. But when you just brought up the furniture store, I mean, it's kind of the same thing, right? Like mm-hmm. you walk in and you start looking at all this furniture and then, oh, well, I like that one over there and I like that one over there, but they're too expensive. And it's like, you're just kind of wasting time just showing your potential clients all these choices that, you know, they probably can't afford. That's why the triangle is so relevant. I had to use it with my youngest daughter when she was buying her first house. She kept telling me, oh, we're looking at this house, we're looking at that house, and the realtor was taking them around, showing all these houses to them. And then they're like, oh. I said, so what do you think about that one? Yeah, but it's just too much money. It's not going to fit into our budget. I'm like, after a couple of weeks, I'm like, hold up. And I got the piece of paper out. I drew the triangle, and I said, listen, you got 20 grand to put down. You want to be at this budget a month on your, your on your house? Tell your realtor to get me, show me houses that are going to fit, check these two boxes. So basically they had the down payment and they had the payment in mind. So now show me the houses that fit into this perfect triangle. Boom, find a house, bought it, done. But they were jumping around. Like you said, they were jumping around all these different places and oh, that's not, it's too much. It's not affordable. I, I can't qualify for it. So pumping the brakes and doing things, reverse engineering this stuff, doing it backwards. I, that that triangle is applicable to any anything any major purchase if you're going to make payments on it. And I have I have the furniture store salespeople using it, you know, because they they offer financing. Okay, so you want to go no money down, want to finance? Okay, here's what here's what furniture package you can get for what you want to accomplish. Just really simple. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So as uh, we're running out of time here, tell the tell the listeners where they can find uh you also like social media and and uh i know you got the podcast going to yeah uh i'm on facebook i'm on instagram uh just jerry gherkin g-e-r-k-e-n jerry with the j um i have a website um it's jerry and that's uh shows my triangle and a lot of other history about me and then um if you want again if you want to subscribe to the uh six-figure sales person training program just dm me on facebook and i can get you uh get you set up and get you the invitation over and then and i still have continuous dialogue with these people that are in the group you know i i got messages three from three of them when we've just been talking you know just because i'm i want to give i want i'm holding true to my word about being a teacher yes it's and i and i Mm -hmm. teach every day (laughs) yep and i coach every day so I, I maybe didn't think it was going to evolve this way, but yeah, my yeah. life is teacher, man. But yeah, that's how they get a hold of me. Or if you want to just give me a call, my cell phone number, 419-721-3341. Um, it's on my, it's on my website and whatever, but yeah, I'm wide open. If I can help, that's what I'm here to do. Nice. And if, uh, like, uh, this, this program, they can, they can, uh, 
say like I mean it's, I'm I'm guessing they can do it on their own time, right? At their own yeah, pace. Yeah, they're all they're all pre-recorded modules. All, once they get the invitation to the group, they can rewind, watch over and over again. And again, like I said, I have downloadable okay. worksheets. So as I explain what what the process is, there's downloadable worksheets where they can actually look at it and say, okay, I'm going to implement this in my in my business within a business. But yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty badass. Nice man, cool. So the last question I have for you is can't question is, what do you consider your breakthrough moment? At why? What's my breakthrough moment? Yeah. Um, I think my breakthrough moment was when I was driving to the casino at two thirty in the morning on a Saturday night because I had a very bad gambling addiction. And my breakthrough moment was when my 16-year-old daughter called me on my phone and my Bluetooth popped up her name. And I was one exit away from the casino. And I didn't want to answer the phone. But I did. And she was like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm turning around. And I never went back. And I think you can understand what the why is. You know? Yeah. Yep. I just, I just needed to smack in the face by my daughter. You turned your whole life around, man. I mean, I had a great life. I've had a great life. It was just, I was, I was pissing money away. Yeah. I was, I was endangering myself, endangering others. I was drinking heavily. I was gambling too much. It was just, it was just a destructive lifestyle. So, um, when I got that phone call from her, it was like, all right, it's done. Turn the page. Yeah. It's new chapter. <laughs> yep. Turn the page. Yes, sir. That's, that's in my book too. Um, but I've not completed the book yet, but uh, I'm not going to go into that part because Stuman will yeah. give me some shit about it because he doesn't <laughs> care the chapters you got and all of a sudden he wants the book in his hand. So I got to get that done. Yeah. Sweet, man. I'm looking forward to the book. Yeah. Pretty interesting. Yeah. All right, man. Well, thank you for sharing that and thank you for your time. Yeah, I appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you, certainly, and uh, appreciate the opportunity to be on the show. Sure, if I can do anything yep. for anybody, I'm, I'm, I'm out there, man. Just just reach out. Don't hesitate. Good, man. Appreciate that. All right. Take care. All right, man. Peace.